And on the line, we have a very special guest, Mike from Lower Level Sports Cards and Collectibles, way up in Winnipeg, Canada. Mike, before we start talking about card, what is the weather like up in Winnipeg, Canada today? Uh, today we're at minus 50 with the wind chill. It's probably the coldest day we've had in years. So, uh, But I've got the furnace up here and I'm cozy and uh, hopefully I can open the door later on in the day. It might be frozen shut, but it is cold. Uh, if you're coming, if we ever want to visit Winnipeg, today is, well, if you want to know what Winnipeg is really like, it's a great day to come. But it's not always like this, but it is cold. Oh my good! You just said minus fifty wind chill. That is not even something I can I can comprehend. Like in in my head, uh, what you just no. said there. So Winnipeg Winnipeg's a pretty big city. I, I looked. I, I did some Google searching. It it, it said maybe seven hundred thousand people. I don't know if that's accurate yeah. or not. So Winnipeg's obviously very cold this time of year. What else? What what else is it like? Uh, for somebody, I, I grew up in California and currently live in Arizona. So, w what would you, you know, tell? And, and I've never been to Canada. What would you yeah. uh, uh, tell somebody like me? Well, I, I think the big thing, especially in winter, one thing that really gets us uh, through the winter is that we have an NHL hockey team again, the Winnipeg Jets. Um, last night, my family, we watched the game tonight. We're looking forward to another game. That's one thing that really helps us uh, forget about the cold and, you know, gather with friends, whether it be at home or at a bar or a restaurant to watch the game. Uh, when it starts, oh, and then, well, if kids still like going outside and playing hockey, my boys, not last night or today, but they, they still love going to the rink to, to play hockey. Um, obviously, hockey is a big thing here. Uh, baseball is, is quite big, too, uh, when it comes to playing. Uh, there's a just in my area, uh, they have uh, one of the uh, Elma Giants. Uh, they're, they have a history recording back to 1905 here um, in this area. So in the summer, uh, we, it, it gets hot, too. Um, and a lot of people uh, leave Winnipeg on the weekends and go to uh, a cabin or a cottage or uh, a lake to fish or to swim. Um, so we've kind of got the extremes. We, we don't have much. Well, we do have weather kind of milder, like kind of in between, but... Uh, it, it's it's uh, it's a great place to visit. Winnipeg is growing too, um, and there too, a lot of that has to do with what happened with the NHL coming back to Winnipeg. Um, True North, who owns the Jets, they've they've been building a lot downtown, and uh, and and there are two friends of mine who had offices downtown. They've just built a building about ten minutes away from downtown, so it's thriving. Uh, I think. Uh, when when a, someone is willing to again the NHL someone is willing to come into a city and establish it and put money down and say we want this team to stay, um, other people take note of, note of that and then put money into uh, the economy, whether it be buildings. It's not all related to the NHL, but people have confidence. Then it's like uh, Winnipeg. Winnipeg is growing. People with money are coming here, um, and those of us who have been here for a while, it's like it, it's even more fun, especially when the playoffs roll around. This year we're looking forward to the Jets winning the Stanley Cup and also then a, a parade, which we haven't had a big parade for a team since 1990 in Winnipeg when our uh, CFL Winnipeg, uh, Blue Bombers, which is kind of like the NFL in your in yours um, in the states. Uh, we're looking. We really want the Stanley Cup here. So that uh, so sports is a big part of Winnipeg, but. Um, uh, that's kind of what, what helps us sometimes on a day like today. Uh, we, we, we dream of being in the stands uh, in the summer watching football, and then <laughs> today, like, let's just cuddle up and, and watch some hockey uh, tonight. We're playing the Bruins tonight. Yeah, it sounds like a perfect night to kind of cozy up and uh, watch a hockey game. Tell me a little bit about how you got into the business and, and paint a little bit of a picture about your store there in Winnipeg started doing card shows in 1988 with a friend of mine and continued through that uh, when I needed money uh, when I got married and well engagement ring that came from selling cards uh, but I always wanted to and I always got scared about starting a card shop because of uh, um, the horror stories that you hear about uh, revenue agency going after businesses for taxes and that and even though I did things the right way I just always that kind of stopped me and the accounting part um, then about uh, eight years ago, my wife just said, I was working at a comic shop. 
said, you know what, why don't you try it? Uh, do a business. You've now been in a collectible store. You, you kind of know the business side of it too, not just the hobby. Why don't you do it? And, and I've had the inventory for years. I, I would, about four or five times since 1992, I got rid of everything that I had just because I'd had, it was either open a store or get rid of it all. That's hmm. how much stuff I had. Um, so back in 2012, I uh, decided to, to pursue this. A friend of mine was, was going to join me on it. And the day before we signed the lease of this, the building I'm in, and they're getting back to that, it's an office, it used to be an office space. So um, it, it's not your, it wasn't your traditional uh, layout of a, a retail store. Um, about two years ago, they took some walls down, so it's a bit more open now. But anyway, 2012, I opened um, on the premise. It was the lockout, actually, year for NHL. And uh, But I realized, hey, there's other sports that are available. And, and Winnipeg, working at a collectible store, I knew that people were more not only into hockey, but they were into basketball, baseball, football in Winnipeg. Um, and and, and uh, so and in my store, if you come in here... Uh, I've got every sport represented. Um, I'm the t I love buying, um, and and to me, my philosophy is if I don't have it, I can't sell it. Um, so anything that comes in, whether it be '90s stuff, but I have lots already, I'll still buy it. And then I, I try to display it. Like I've got a whole wall of early '90s unopened boxes from all the sports. I've got CFL, Canadian Football League boxes, um, and then it goes all the way up to the current. Uh, for Upper Deck, for instance, I've got from 1990 all the way to current. I think there's only six series of hockey that I don't have in stock. Wow. Um, and there too, I just I love the hobby. Um, I, I like collecting. I, I try to collect still, but it's hard when I run a store too. And, and I just want when people come in here, whether they've been collecting for years or left it or have never collected before, they come in, it's a welcoming environment, uh, and they can look and they're blown away. It's almost like the first time ever I ever went to in a store uh, I went in, I got overwhelmed, and it was only two or 300 square feet. And I ended up just buying the current product, which was 85, 86 Okichi hockey at the time. <laughs> but uh, that, that's kind of, and, and yeah, I, I just, uh, for me, it's, it's not only the cards, it's the people, it's, it's the friendships that, that, that arise from having a place like this. And as you build the friendships, then you also find out what people collect, and, and then you try to help them. So, and there too. Inventory-wise, over 5 million cards, uh, singles, um, unopened boxes, probably at least over 500 different types. Uh, and then sets, we have sets from, I guess, the 1950s and up. Uh, so anyway, it's, uh, that's a little bit of a tip, kind of how, how, how the, the, the store is. Wow, it sounds like quite the destination there in, in Winnipeg, and, and anybody that's uh, near or gets up there, uh, wow, it sounds like uh, quite the inventory you have. In terms of the people coming into your store, what are they collecting? Do you have an idea percentage-wise of, 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 is it mostly hockey? What are, You mentioned baseball. What percentage of your business is broken down in, in, in the sports? It's probably um, around 75% hockey and then 25% uh, uh, probably even break between the three others. Um, and there too, that's changed in the last, well, I've been, this is my seventh year now in business. It's changed over those years. Uh, I, I, the, last, the last two years, it's been harder for us in Winnipeg to get uh, football and baseball product. We've been severely allocated products, and so I've kind of I don't get as many of those collectors here anymore because I can't I can't get the the current product in, or at least as much as uh, I need to to for the demand that that there is. So, uh, but yeah, when people come in mostly for hockey, but then when they see the other sports too, it's like oh, I remember collecting this or. Um, for instance, baseball season's coming up now. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Toronto Blue Jay. If he if he uh, right. starts playing, there's definitely going to be a lot more people coming in here for baseball too. So it, it depends too on what. But in general, uh, it's 75 percent hockey. But it always depends on what happens on the playing field and all the different sports too. And and. Do you have a sense or, or more of a sense of what these guys are collecting? Are these set collectors? Are they opening packs or boxes? Do, do you have a breakdown? All over the place. 
um, like Saturday is usually well, Fridays and Saturdays, um, it's it's all over. Like uh, this last Saturday, there were there were kids in here uh, needing uh, panini hockey stickers, packs, and also singles to make their set. Uh, there was a guy here who who uh, collects early '90s football. He just got back into it. He loves Notre Dame, uh, so he was into that. Uh, baseball. We sold a bit of 2016 uh, baseball. Um, it, it's it's all over the place. Um, and that and then, and to me, like it, it, on a, on on my busiest days, it's not just one thing. Um, like Peter uh, uh, because he's doing so well. Well, Mitch Marner. Uh, and because we're in Winnipeg, we've got Patrick Liney. He's not doing so well on the ice as in scoring goals, but there's still that popularity. So we still get that constant people. Do you have that kind of product? And I, and I do. And so we still get people getting that. And there too, most people are getting the, the stuff with the, the big rookies from hockey. They're doing it. They're just kind of, it's the gamble. It's, they're trying to get that, that big card. I don't get a lot of those customers. I leave that to the other stores who have been around longer than I have. Uh, here it's been trying to get people who, um, the lapsed collectors, the kids, the families, uh, those who have never collected before. And there too, when you've never collected before, you come in here, it's like, oh, let's try a bit of this, a little bit of this, and then to figure out how we want to collect. And there too, it's it's all over the place. It's it's a general answer, but it it truly is like like that here. And that's what I've that's what's kept me in business is to have that much that people can come in and and get something of of every every sport or, or whatever they collect. How do you get these people in the door? It's it's fifty below or fifty below wind chill today. How are you reach? Is it advertising? Is it word of mouth? Is it a little bit of everything? What things have worked for you? You've been in business now for a, a long time, or seven years for a card shop. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. What? How are these um, people getting in the door? I think. Well, let, let me just back up. Back to like I opened on a Friday, November thirtieth, two thousand twelve. The Monday I get back to the to the store, open the doors, like, okay, what am I going to do? How do I get people here? Because it's not like. When I, when I grew up, when I went visited the States, the first thing I did was went to the yellow pages and checked mm -hmm. to see, or the white pages, whatever it's called in your area, right. checked to see where are the card shops, and then I begged my parents to bring me to all the card shops. Well, that's not there anymore, so then it was social media. And I'm not uh, a guru when it comes to being on the computer, but I had to learn how to do Facebook, how to do Instagram, how to do Twitter. Um, uh, well, Kijiji, I'm, I'm not sure if you have that down in the States, but uh, uh, Kijiji is, is a place where you can uh, advertise and, and sell free. Anyone, anyone can do that, whether you be a business or, or just you're trying to sell whatever you're trying to sell. So I just started plugging away at social media. Um, my wife built me a website. Uh, everything, basically, I think, I think the customers that I've gotten, it, a lot has to do with social media, just trying to be on there every day that I'm open. Weekends, I've stopped doing it just because I need a break too. Social media is just exhausting. I think you you can you know that too. You right. uh, as soon as you start it, you can go on rabbit trails and have conversations on there, and you can be there on there the whole day. Um, the other thing that's really helped is I'm five minutes away from downtown Winnipeg. Uh, I don't know. I think it's about fifty to seventy thousand people. Uh, can drive by my, my store on the way home from work. Oh, wow. uh, so I have a little sign in the in the front um, of my building, and and people see that, and they come in. Sometimes, like I still get people who just say, like we've seen your sign for years, we've never dropped in, and they come in. Uh, and then it's it's very unassuming when you see my store. It's like it's a brick building. It's like you would never think that it. it um, you probably think it's a grungy place with an old guy in there, kind of your stereotypical card shop. But when you come in here, it's like, whoa, it's, it's not the same as what we see on the outside. So when people come in, it's like, we want to come in, we love this, oh, we should tell our friends because they've got this or they, they, they need this or, um, like, for, I have hockey from the 90s, so if guys come in for current stuff, they say, oh, my friends, I remember when we collected this, and they'll, they'll tell their friends, their friends will come and buy older stuff. So it's it's a mixture of things, but social media to me, if I I don't think I'd be in business if I didn't jump onto that right away and do it as consistently as I have.
Yeah, it's amazing what it can do uh, for a business. And, and, you know, a lot of it is free, especially if you're not paying for Facebook ads or Twitter ads or anything like this. Here's a question I got for you. What's the one product that you can't sell out of that you have to always have in stock? It's your best selling product. What's what's the one thing you can't you can't run out of? Um, most it, it it would have to be um, upper deck uh, hockey series one and, and series two uh, from the current year and, and back because I can kind of keep it in stock. And um, the other thing too is uh, MVP from upper deck hockey. Um, actually. At this moment, uh, the hobby box, I, well, hobby boxes I still can get, but the one thing that I've done um, since I began was, was carry retail products, uh, like blaster boxes, uh, well, for, for two reasons especially. Uh, one, it was, it's been far more affordable uh, to keep like children and families to be able to afford the hobby. And uh, the other reason for set building, um, it becomes far more affordable when you buy um, the the retail to make the set uh, than than the hobby the hobby boxes and, and so uh, yeah I, the go to like I need to have upper deck uh, well series one series two MVP um, in stock uh, especially the retail I've got lots of tins of, of many different years so those sell weekly um, and I'm always looking as where can I pick up more uh, of those products. Do you think Upper Deck uh, does a good job? I do. Um, in general, like there, well, my family and I, we, we during the Christmas break, I took two weeks off, and almost every evening, I brought something from home or uh, or from the store home to 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 open, and 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 a lot of those products were more affordable products that were kind of just sitting there, not selling as fast as I would like to. Um, and there too, if they're opened, I can sell singles. So my family had a blast opening it. And even now, we, we still, like, my, my oldest boy, who's 17 now, he's saying, Dad, can you bring home some 18, 19 Upper Deck Series 1? Let's try to get the Pedersen rookie out of there, you know? Um, and so I think they do really well with their product. Uh, the, the different designs, I'm, I'm amazed at how their staff can come up with new designs every year and 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 still blow us away with uh with with what they're with what they're doing with uh like even series one hockey the first time i saw the the the, the image of connor helleba from winnipeg i thought it was an insert card uh, it didn't look like a, a just a normal base card they did a fin- i think they did a phenomenal job um so i think in general like when it comes to the the like hockey cards like the look of them I think Upper Deck is doing um, a great job, and, and obviously, yeah, they're doing a good job too with um, with coming up with with new ideas for sets as well. Did you want another? The, the licensing just came up, and I talked with uh, Jason Mashira and Chris Carlin about that actually on our last show. They got the exclusive. Yeah. Did you want another uh, uh, company? Al uh, Panini Leaf Tops. Did you did you have a an, a preference if another company got involved i i would love it if every card manufacturer that wanted to have a license would have a license to make hockey cards um and i would even go further and to say that's for every sport i i think that each company or the the collectors feed off of all the companies uh making cards um I think uh, reading about any time that Upper Deck comes up with a new product, usually someone on, on the comments will say, we wish you did that for for football, baseball, basketball. Um, I think we're missing out in the hobby uh, with exclusives. Um, I think if you make, uh, if Upper Deck was able to make other products, other sorry, other, other sports, that means that um, collectors of baseball they would be able to buy upper deck product um i think of tops chrome oh that would be so sweet to have a hockey set like tops chrome i know we've got opg platinum for hockey but it's not quite the same as tops chrome and and some of the hits too tops chrome the refractors the parallels there's a lot more um variety in that um tops heritage 
that'd be great to have a hockey set yeah. um, based uh, on on the uh, old designs of tops. I miss that. Uh, I, I have a few Topps Heritage boxes from the early 2000s in stock of hockey. Um, anytime I have that kind of stuff, people like it. They remember that. They love the old designs. So if it's up to me, every company would have the opportunity to have a license. And the other thing is, and I, this doesn't usually work in business, but uh, kind of a working together on it too. Um, when I worked at a comic shop, uh, every Wednesday was new comic book day. Uh, so we'd always get a big crowd on Wednesdays, um, and so it's 52 Wednesdays you, you, in a year. You, you'd have people come in there um, for cards. If, if you had everyone doing it, you have to have working together. Otherwise, the money there's only so much money that everyone has. So, um, you whatever. Let's say everyone did have uh, could make any sport. All the manufacturers. Uh, You'd have to work together so that you don't flood the market. You still get, but you grow it. So you continually every year uh, you get new collectors, and then uh, and which which means that you can make more product. Which means each company also makes more. And if the companies make more, and then the PAs make more, um, the shops make more, we buy more. You know, it, it just it we feed off of each other. But I would really love it if every it wasn't exclusive and and there too I, I've kind of given up the fight I would uh, I used to email or, or you know uh, I had a contact with NHLPA I told them uh, with Upper Deck um, we've had conversations too and I just say you know it is what it is I can't the only thing I can do is even here like uh, you know you, you call me and, and we, we have this conversation uh, just let people know and, and for me I do this and just to back up I do this not only for a living, I do it because I love the hobby, and I'm worried for the hobby. Like my kids, they love this collecting, but they don't have the money. There's no way that we'd be opening the products that we do right now if I didn't have a store. Uh, and if I had the same salaries I, I pay myself, there's no way that I can go in uh, to a store and buy like I do and then have our family enjoy opening it. It just doesn't work. So my family, uh, we'd be in the hobby in some way, but there's no way that we'd be enjoying it as much as we did if I didn't have the store. Um, Do some of your customers have the same feelings that it's the hobby has become too expensive? Yeah, um, like I would say, like even in the time that I've been open, um, I haven't necessarily lost customers, but the customers have. The, my customer base is the more affordable uh, are the people who, who uh, uh, don't have as much to spend in the hobby. I don't bring I don't bring in all the expensive products because well, first it's too expensive, and I don't expect like for instance the cup. I love the product, but there's no way that I expect my customer to take the gamble at, at spending six to eight hundred dollars Canadian on a tin with six mm. cards. When most of my customers would rather. If they had $800 to spend, they're going to find um, probably at least four different products that they can buy and make the whole set of, like Opeachy Platinum or MVP or Opeachy. Um, my customers, uh, th there's less and less things that my customers can buy, uh, like the, in the affordable uh, market. Like I, for me, it's a, I would say it's about. Uh, $150 a product that that I, that I would expect a customer to 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 spend to be able to make the set with inserts with rookies, and I get that number from when I in 2011 was probably the last time um, that before I had a store that I bought product for my kids and I to make sets, and it was score hockey. It was Victory Hockey, mm. and with Victory Hockey, we bought five boxes. We made a few base sets. We made all the insert sets. We didn't have uh, one insert set per, like, there was two of my sons. I have five kids, but at that time, it was two of my sons and me. Uh, we didn't make an insert and rookie set uh, from Victory for each one of us, but we, we, we completed the whole master set for 150 bucks. Uh, wow. But now... They're, they're MVP this year, we my family opened two hundred fifty dollars Canadian worth of retail boxes, and we were still twelve cards short of the 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 short print set, and we were probably at least half 
uh, missing half of the the inserts, the credential inserts for for the set, and we spent well, two hundred fifty dollars on it, um, and so how my my customers who come in, especially with families, they want to make a set. I say, well, the most affordable product is MVP. Um, you can make the base set with two and a half retail boxes, but if you want to make the whole set, you're probably going to have to spend another $100 in singles to finish the set or continue to buy, and you're probably going to have to buy another, what is it, 15 uh, blaster boxes and potentially not have a set yet. Um, that's a lot to ask for a family. It's a lot to ask for a child to do that. Um, and we're, well, I assume for you too. I'm still from the era from 1990 and down. You could buy a box for about, well, 10 to 30 bucks, open it, and make the set. Um, Opichu is a bit different. You need a few boxes, but still, at 10 bucks a box, you could open four boxes, make a set, and still have lots of devils to trade with friends and help them make sets. Um, so I'm, I'm concerned there's less and less affordable products, um, and it's the affordable products that get people into the hobby. Uh, and and where the other thing that gets people in the hobby is where you find cards too. Um, it used to be that you could find cards everywhere. Um, so accessibility uh, is missing from the hobby. In Winnipeg, you can go to card shops. There's about 10 card shops in Winnipeg. And uh, you can go to London Drugs, Walmart, Toys R Us. Uh, those are pretty much the only places that you can buy cards now. 7-Elevens don't have them anymore. Um, you know, it, 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 you're, 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 we want more people in the hobby, but we're not putting out enough in, in places where people go um, uh, to get more people into the hobby. Keeping these products that are popular in stock, the UD Series 1, Series 2, MVP, these ones that your customers like and, and uh, quite frankly uh, most hockey collectors like and it certainly gets them into, like you said, it helps get people into the hobby. How do you do that? I mean, these last uh, uh, few years we've had Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews and other guys who have been you know, high-dollar rookie cards. How do you keep these products in stock? as a shop owner? Uh, for me, I most of it is I just bought uh, a lot when it came out. Um, two th well, for me, I kind of got, uh, well, what year was it? So 2013-14 was my first year uh, with, with non-lockout that I purchased Upper Deck Series 1 for my store. And uh, what actually I brought in hobby boxes, I think probably about two or three cases, and then the tins. I think I brought in about 84 tins. Um, so what is that? Seven or six cases, something like that. Uh, and I was worried. I was worried that the tins wouldn't sell. I, when I when they came out, uh, is like I'm gonna like I think the price was 35 bucks for Canadian or something like that. I was worried, so I just put three for 90 bucks, and then a friend of mine he bought some. But then after by by Christmas, I think they came out in November. By Christmas, I was sold out. Wow. Um, so I, I went to another uh, dealer in the city, and I asked if he had any retail tins left, and he had one case, so I bought it off him. The next year, because it wasn't the double rookie class, 14, 15, there wasn't any big rookies, at least not when the product came out. This went on pre-orders. And then I figured, well, I'll just order what, whatever, a few cases again, and the distributor will have more available if I need more. Well, Series 2 came around, and within the week in Winnipeg, the hobby product was completely sold out. Um, and retail, uh, tins, I had ordered enough. I still have some, but then I realized, wait a minute, I'm going to have to figure out a way just to have this in stock because the distributor is not ordering enough. Upper Deck is going according to pre-orders. I, I, I think they're still doing that. Uh, when when they when they make products, so if we don't we don't pre-order enough, they won't make enough. So, fifteen sixteen rolls around, and I bought I think six hundred was it six hundred or nine hundred tins, uh, and and I'm still working through those. Um, uh, but I, I I started buying more when it came out. I don't rely much anymore on the distributor. They do a great job. There's nothing wrong with the distributor, um, but. Their, their job is just to bring in the product and then get it to, to us. I can't expect them to have more um, in the back all the time. 
Um, and I think there too, going back in time 30, 40 years ago, that's, that was the model of card shops. Card shops were there, oh, two reasons. They would, they, they, they weren't, their, their money didn't come in just from the current product. They, their money came from when people came after buying from 7-Elevens and that and helping people make sets. Mm. Um, but the other thing that the, the, the old stores did, they would buy lots of it so that when it wasn't the current year anymore, uh, if people wanted to start collecting or go backwards, they would have it in stock and there was somewhere to get it. Um, think of all the card shops I, I, in, in the States, the older ones like Kit Young, um, uh, Fritch. Uh, they have lots of older stuff because they bought lots. Um, so I get it from, I get it for like the year that it comes out and I try to get as much as I can afford and then hopefully that lasts through years. Um, and obviously before 2012, it's been relying on people that have just come in the store with whatever, older boxes and I just buy them off of them. Do you think Upper Deck, you know, they have the exclusive and, and they, they have to cater to all these different type of collectors. Do you think they make too many products? I wouldn't necessarily say they make too many products. Um, I just think that a lot of the products are geared towards those who have, uh, what would it be, $150 or more to spend on a box. And that's Canadian. Uh, you can do the math when it comes to U.S. dollar. But um, so I, I like, like, there's nothing wrong with the amount, the, the types of cars. It's just that it's so, it, it seems to be now, it, it, it's very similar. It's four to seven cards type for $150 or more or uh, like artifacts or trilogy where you've got eight packs of four cards so 32 cards in total um, or whatever between $150 and $125 a box um, and if you're after set building you're not buying these anymore to build the set um, the, the pro I think there's the, the products my opinion is the more you put out um, at affordable rate, the more you'll sell. My customers, if they could come into my store every week and have a different product that they spend $30, well, $30 for a box up to $150 and they can make a whole set, they'll put that kind of money in every every week. Uh, kids too. My kids, uh, if there was a product every week that they could buy for $30, um, they would do it if, if they can make the set. Um, and there too, they, they like the inserts for, and there too, I think when it comes to what's in there, the most popular sets are not based on patch cards, jerseys, and autographs. Um, Upper Deck Series 1 and Series 2, it's about the young gun rookie, most likely. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the promotion, uh, Tim Horton's uh, restaurant, uh, donut place in, in, in Canada. They've, they've done the, uh, per, uh, the hockey card set the last four years. Those are not based on um, jerseys, autographs, and patch cards. That's about making sets. And there too, I can't get those, well I can get the packs just like my customers can, and that's going to Tim Hortons. The last four years though, I've had customers that have bought lots of it. I buy their, their doubles off of them, and then I trade with people as they come in and help them. And the demand to make that set, that, that to me, you take the set building away from the hobby and you don't have a hobby. Um, in, in hockey, from all the other sports, I think that's the one downfall of hockey cards right now is that um, it's, it's not set building driven. If you look at the beginning, all the stories are about people collecting tobacco cards. Uh, you know, I've read stories about um, kids or even adults hanging out by the drugstore or the store waiting for people to come out, pre-war obviously, waiting to get the, ask if they could buy the tobacco card off of them to make the set. Um, set building is the core. If you take set building away from the hobby, you don't have a hobby, um, or you have a hobby where it becomes about the high expensive cards and you get speculators and people who are just doing it, opening product to get the expensive card, not to keep it, but to sell it to somebody else. I don't get a lot of those customers here, but I know customers or people in Winnipeg that spend thousands of dollars a week on product, uh, but they don't collect. It's all to get the big cards and then to sell them. 
Uh, they have, and, and everything else to them is, is not worth that much. And my kids, uh, if they don't need the cards, my kids would genuinely love to take them off their hands, like the base cards and that, and make sets and just have fun with them. Um, it's hard to do that when you only get 32 cards, though, in a box of Trilogy, let's say. My kid, you know, uh, kids and families love lots of cards, not just a few cards. Right, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I mean, I remember growing up with my whole family. We'd sit there with just piles. I mean, you remember that piles of the stuff from the eighties yeah. and nineties, and it was fun to look at the stats and try to build a set, and look for little errors and and things like that. Yeah. What percentage of you, the people coming into your shop, are are buying just single cards and trying to fill these sets versus the the kind of the gamblers and and the and the pack buyers? Do you have a sense of is it fifty fifty? Is it is it more single cards on your end? Well, in I when it comes to those who are kind of just um, whatever trying to get the higher end product just to get the big cards, I don't get a lot of those. Um, again, I leave that to the the, the other stores. Um, uh, I when I opened it, it was never I opened my store not to take customers away from other stores. It was is to build a new customer base of children, families, uh, those who are not in the hobby. Um, so the percentage wise, I would say at least ninety percent of the people that come into my store are are either buying um, well singles or uh, affordable uh, products. Like even there, the the amount of um, well, the the current product trilogy artifacts SP game used comes out tomorrow. Right. I brought that in, uh, but there and and there I feel really bad for this. But I do that for the business per side of my store. Um, I'm doing that just because I know that some will want that, and 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 uh, w the money that I can make off that that helps pay the bills. Um, that's the reason that I bring it in. I know that those who will buy that are after just the big hit, and they'll they'll try to sell. So they're they're just purely gambling, um, and that's I would say most people that buy that are doing that. Not everyone. I don't want to get people upset of that, but a lot of people are buying that just to gamble. Um, but I, I bring that in just for the business. When it comes to retail boxes, series one, series two, that I bring in. For the hobby and I know it will sell because I promote the hobby here um, when, when people come in and they comment too it's like it, when they come into my store it, I'm not after their money I'm not trying to empty their wallet um, if you if you get a card that you need and it's only 25 cents but you needed it for your set they've been working on or wanting for like 20 years I'm happy with you and for you that you found that card like to me that's the it, it's truly about the hobby I think when we put the hobby first, um, then the money will come if you're after the money. Like I would say that to the, any, the players associations too. If you want more money, uh, revenue, and it, the leagues too, put the hobby first and then do the, the money. If you put the hobby first, the money will come. Um, we, I, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that we can have another boom in the hobby like we did in the 90s. And there are two. There were one thing that happened in the '90s, and it goes back to what you were uh, about all the uh, the, um, the card manufacturers. Like we've got this exclusive license now. Back in 1988, Score came on the scene. Score was the the you had Tops, Donners, and Fleer. Then Score comes on. Score was the first splash, and then you got Upper Deck. And then you got ProSet. Then you get like all these other companies. That's what that helped the boom. When you had more manufacturers making cars, there were more licenses. What would have happened back then had there been exclusives? I don't know, but it's a question that I think we, we have to ask. What could have happened? Uh, would we be in the same boat as we are today? I don't know. Um, anyway, that, that, that's. Uh, I like to look at the. If we don't look at the history of cards, um, then then we can't get a sense of where we're at and where we can go or where we. We don't have to reinvent the wheel when it comes to this card collecting. Uh, lots of my customers left the hobby back in 1993 um, because it was too hard to make sets, the insert sets. And uh, I hear that story over and over and over again. They still wanted to collect. It was never about uh, not wanting to collect. It was that they just couldn't afford making all the insert sets. 
Yeah, we're in a very interesting time in the hobby because like you said, going back to the tobacco era, cards were a promotional product or a, a very, very affordable yeah. product in a lot of cases. And literally we're talking about in, only in the last 20 years have we started talking about serial numbers and autographs and patch cards and one of one. Such a small window of time when the history of cards spans back into the 1800s. So I, I hope that the peop, the stewards of this, the, the license owners and the upper decks and the PA and the players associations, I hope they're making the right choice by going down this road of making these super exclusive high-end products. But like you said, history, uh, there's not a whole lot of history that suggests it will. Certainly the economy in the United States and maybe a little bit in Canada is uh, uh, doing well and can, can kind of uh, foster these more expensive products. But... Um, long term certainly remains yeah. to be seen how far in advance are you calling somebody like universal distribution you said you ordered 900 tens of this stuff how far in advance are you ordering this stuff are you fronting all the money up front is it something you pay for over time how are you how are you kind of financing these these products that you need a lot of and uh, and you need to keep in stock uh, well, first of all, I, I don't know if I, I said it before. I didn't mean it. It was 900 tins, not cases of tins. So okay. sorry if I said that. Um, but a lot, um, I think it was in 2015 when I saw, I was skeptical of how well Connor McDavid, um, like his cards would do. And that was probably the, well, two years previous, it was Nathan McKinnon uh, won the double rookie class. Uh, what's the other one's name? Yakupov. Right. Um, right. So... I didn't know how big McDavid would be because we're in Winnipeg and McDavid plays with Edmonton and there's still that uh, hate for Edmonton in Winnipeg because of what they did to us many years in the playoffs in the 80s. But um, uh, the, uh, sorry, let me get back here to my, my thoughts. Um, anyway, right, I, I didn't know how much I should order. Um, so I didn't order a lot of hobby, but tins, I, I just got a line of credit, my um, credit okay. union. I, I, I asked them, I explained to them what was happening, and already I had been in business for a few years. Um, anytime that I asked for something, even when I started my, my business, I, I asked them for a loan. I gave them a plan, and uh, they, they, they saw it was detailed, so they trusted me. And then in 2015, I asked for a line of credit. That's how I got the as much as I got in. And uh, they trusted me again. Um, and then a few years ago, uh, the building I'm in went through some major renovations. I actually had to close for four and a half months. And and in a way, uh, that that's a whole another story. But that really hurt me. And I had to basically, in the last year and a half, rebuild. It, it's been a restart here. Um, but even there, the, I, I, right before I had to close for that period of time, I, I got another loan, and that was that was again to uh, um, to help with with uh, getting some some more of the uh, uh, whatever more product in. Uh, right. Now where it stands is I'm back to where I can like what I order. Um, I can order as much as I do, or start to order more again. But I, I can do that because um, well. I have stuff from previous years that people want. I don't have to depend just on current product right. um, to make ends meet. And there too, anything that walks in my store, if I can agree on a price with the, the person that brought it in, I'll buy it. And that too helps with the, the, the money flow here. So I'm not relying, like tomorrow, SD game used comes out. If I sell through tomorrow, that would be absolutely amazing. But I don't have to do that because I've got other customers that are going to come in. They've reserved a, a case of 2016-17 SP Authentic Hockey, which I still have in stock. So I sell that, and that's going to help pay for um, the current stuff. So to me, I the, the, the most successful shops in Winnipeg, like over the years, and I'm not just talking sports, but in collectibles, the ones that have been most successful are the ones that have been buying uh, buy a lot of, of the, the collections that come in from mm. uh, private collectors. I think like baseball card exchange, um, I've, right. I've talked to them briefly, but not necessarily on this, but I think one reason that they've done so well 
um, is that it, they don't base everything on current product. Uh, they they buy the older stuff, and obviously they don't buy everything. They 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 have specifics that they know will sell, and and it allows them to get to the point where I think any collection, if they find a collection from two million dollars full of fifty-two tops, let's say, mm. they can do it um, be, because they're specific. They've grown their audience, and they've grown to a point where. Uh, they've got the connections that they could sell through 52 tops if they would have that kind of fund, you know. Um, but it, it, it's current product. I can't depend, at least at this store, I don't depend. If I if I bring it in, I'm not worried. Like uh, I don't have to sell through. Whereas I think a lot of a lot of customers in other sports too in the states, even in Canada, if if you have a run of let's say five or six products that would do horribly. I think you'd see a lot more shops closing because they've they've started to rely just on the current product rather than the older stuff as well. And let me just say one more thing about that, and it's a bit on off, well, I guess on the same topic. I set up. We have an AHL hockey team here too, the Manitoba Moose. Okay. Last week I set up at one of their games. I, I bought a promotional package to sell cards. I sold more '90s boxes there, hockey, than current hockey product. Hmm. There was far more conversation. I had 9091 Upper Deck series, uh, box there and a pro set box from 9192 and score from 9091. Way more conversation, way more activity talking about that, not only to adults but to children. It wasn't only adults that bought that stuff. Children were actually buying unopened boxes of 90s stuff. They were selling better than the retail product of Upper Deck hockey at the Moose game. Uh, that has to say something. I some weeks I sell more '90s stuff, or or even up to let's say 2006 of hockey, than I do of the current product. Um, '90s stuff isn't junk. Uh, it's affordable and it gets people back into the hobby, and and it, and and people still love it. Uh, we can't diss or say bad things about the '90s stuff. It, it, it actually it, it's. There too. I get people in here. They get into that, and then they get into whatever buying other stuff. They see a patch card. It's like, oh, that's cool, you know. Um, so we can't. We can't. There, there's something about how we did things in the '90s. The manufacturers. Uh, there, there is something. There, there's. I think we we need to revisit that. Um, and and uh, yeah, you know, let, let's not think we have to start from scratch. I hope so, and and I hope the the card manufacturers look to one of the most popular collectible sets that gets made is the Panini World Cup soccer stickers and their soccer yep. brand, which I think is five stickers for less than a dollar or less in most countries. So it's possible to make, and I hope Cart Tops and Panini and, and the American companies realize it's possible to make an affordable product that. Adult, I know adults that collect that set. I know adults yep. that order their 50-pack sticker box in advance and put that together. And shoot, you've got to buy, I think, four or five boxes of that generally to put the whole set, yep. World Cup set together. So you're spending three, $400, but people don't mind that because it's enjoyable. You can trade. There's meetups. There's a yep. buddy in of mine in Seattle does, does meetups uh, where people trade their stickers. And, and, and like you said, it can it can maybe the, maybe it's a gateway to to buying more expensive products or or getting into UD series 1 or some of the newer products so it's i hope that you know i asked the upper deck guys about making affordable products and you know they kind of said well we don't you know they kind of don't make any money off of it i i counter that that the most popular collectible thing that gets made are the world cup soccer stickers and panini makes uh, according to most reports makes a boatload off those yeah. so uh, there's something there it's it's getting you know like you said getting these things distribution uh tim hortons where you guys are helps a lot you know selling those packs and getting affordable cards into people's hands people shops like you getting you know affordable cards into people's hands do you also sell on ebay or check out my cards you know i know you do shows and no, you have your I, shop I, I and i i like that i think part of the reason is uh I, well i do everything i don't do online sales and one reason is is just that um i think it's hurt stores um Whereas uh, 
if if people can find a shop that has what they want, they'll they'll continue to do that. Um, and and for me, I, I yes, I would make more money if I did online. I would also help the economy because I would I'd have to hire people to do that. Mm. It, it's I have enough uh, problems just keeping up with the people that come into my store um, and and helping them with what they need. Uh, so online sales, like there's nothing wrong with it. I just choose not to because I, I see that as something that has has hurt the hobby. I think if more guys, especially in the states, I think you're 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 closer. There's more towns, uh, you know, and, and cities that are closer or suburbs that are closer together. I just read something last week with one guy. Uh, he said he's lucky if he can find a car truck 100 miles from him. Yep. Uh, you know, it, I think that though, especially those, like, the only reason that I could start my store was because I had my old, like, cards, like, million, about a million cards of, like, older product. Uh, I, I would say to all those who are thinking of starting a store and, and say, we don't have what we need, we can't get the current product, like, don't, don't let that be an excuse. Open a store. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be seven days a week. Um, I think there's one close to St. Louis. Uh, well, I can't show me. I think it's called Show Me Collectibles. Okay. Uh, I think from I think the hours on his, he's not open all the time. But uh, from what I see on his Instagram account, he's still buying and he's still helping people in the hobby. But I think the more of us that 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 just make physical cards available, uh, you know, even at a flea market, start at a flea market. Mm. Uh, then and there too again nothing wrong with online sales but if you want a card right away and especially an older card you want to inspect it to make sure that it's what you want um, you know let, let, let's let's get more stores um, it, it's you don't need to have the current product necessarily it helps uh, but you know there, there's so many cards and as soon as you put them out um, if they're just sitting in your closet they're making you nothing you know put them out and see what happens uh, let's get more shops going again. How has speaking of online sales, how has Upper Deck EPAC impacted your business? I've lost customers. Um, I think about well, there's a bun- when EPAC started, customers of mine uh, would go on there get a few packs, um, and they would get especially like products that like Compendium. Uh, mm-hmm. They would buy that instead of spending their money here. Um, last year, there was a guy who started doing more of e-packs, so he'd buy about half like physical cards, like Upper Deck Series 1 and 2, and then half online. This year, he just did e-packs, so I've lost him when it comes to new product, like, or at least unopened boxes. Um, I haven't seen him since uh, November. Mm. Um, I used to see him at least once a month, and, and he too has a few uh, nephews that he collects with. I don't see them anymore. Uh, when I was at the Toronto Sport Card Expo, I talked to one guy there. He bought, he's a big buyer, he bought, I think, 10 cases or so of CFL football, like physical, and then 10 uh, on EPACs. And if he would have bought those through a store, this, whatever store, would it would have helped, made, we would have made about 3000 profit off of that type of thing. So it, 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 it hurts us. Um, I think the other thing too is that the one thing I don't like about it is that the cards, there's cards that are exclusive to ePacks, um, and it, I would I would love it that customers uh, could have those that I could have them in stock here, and I wouldn't have to open ePacks or trade things in on ePack to have them. Um, I. I I, I listened to your your the interview that you did with Upper Deck, and and I I I, I like the rationale of EPACs in that you know you, you, it, it's around the world people are opening these. Um, so for advertising cars, I think it's it's great. But I I would also state then it's like okay you've got that going. Now what are you doing to get card shops in all these? I think they said 160 countries that mm-hmm. EPACs is. Uh, or people have been opening packs in, um, then then work at getting card shops in 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 these places too. Um, the, I, yeah, I, the, when you when you when you when you don't put an emphasis on the card shops, the other part of the hobby, it's not just the cards; it's the social part of it. Um, 
when you when you just uh, get people doing online stuff, they they miss the trading. They miss. I remember as kids, I would, my cousins would come over. We'd trade cards for probably or, or stickers for the first five or ten minutes, and then we'd do other stuff like play hockey or whatever. Uh, play, and we leave the cards or stickers, and then we go back to them. But it was something that we looked forward to. Like that was the first thing. I couldn't wait till my cousins came over so we could trade. When you do the EPAC thing, you can trade online, but you don't see the people. Mm. And it's the people. Uh, you, you need that physical connection. Um, I've got guys in here that come in, uh, uh, whatever, they, they might spend a few bucks here and there, but they come in because they used to collect. And then every so often they find a set at, like, let's say, a flea market that's not complete. Then they come in here and spend major bucks finishing off their set. Um, they can't do that on EPAC. Um, you know, it's the phys- it's it's not the, the the hobby. It's not just the cards. It, it's the people. That's some of my greatest memories of the of cards are the people that I that I've met through it. Like even there, I, I've I've heard of you before, uh, and like sport card radio. But to me, the the ultimate would be go to the the national sports card convention or or major shows where you guys are and and see you face to face and be able to talk to you. Um, it's cards that have kind of brought us together, but it, it's the it's the it's the community, it's the friendships, uh, and 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 there too. Uh, well, I think even last week, someone that was in the uh, uh, part of putting the convention on for years, he passed away, hmm. and we don't remember that what he collected. Um, it was a he was a human being. He was a friend to many to many people. Um, that you know, it, it's greater than than cards. I've had customers that have passed on. One one of my friends, three years ago, he died. He was 45 years old. Um, I, I don't miss uh, the money that he spent here. I miss him. Uh, you know, the conversations that we had, not only about cards, but a family. Uh, it, 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 maybe one reason, this, this might be taking a, a long shot here, but maybe one reason why we have so much more depression and, and, and mental issues in, in, in North America is because... Uh, you know, we're not we're not doing as much with cards. Um, my family, we would do pack wars, upper deck style, where we open a few packs. Um, that becomes your deck, and then you ask questions about the cards, like how many guys are wearing red helmets, or you know, stats on the back. And my whole family, my my two oldest, 17 and 16 years old, they'll play and they'll put down their iPods or devices, whatever you call them, and play the game. Uh, it. it, it they they they're interacting with people uh and it's a blast and 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 those are the types of things when you're by yourself and you're at a computer uh you know and and you you whatever you find something that you fixate on that that's depressing that can lead spiral down a long way uh we want for me i want people to come to my store and not only look at cars but interact Sometimes you get people who just found out they had cancer that come into my store, or they just got uh, engaged, or they had they had a baby, you know, all that kind of stuff. So to me, it, like, yeah, we're, we're this is about cards, but there's so much more, and that comes out as we collect in a, in in the physical world, not just through e-packs and 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 computer stuff. And again, you can do it; it's fun. Whatever, one o'clock in the morning. There's probably not many people up, so you won't need something to do. Go on EPAC, do online sales, whatever. That's that's fine. But that element of people, um, it's such a. That's why people go to card shows. Sometimes it's just it, it's it's just to meet people. They might not have any money, but it's just to come and see the people who are hanging out and have fun for a few hours. Yeah, I mean that's that that's really why I'm still in the hobby. I don't I don't buy a whole lot of cards. Um, and I kind of grew up working in a hobby shop and, and like you said it, it kind of talking to you brings back a lot of good memories about the people that would come into the, the hobby shop and I can't really remember what they collected or what they bought except for maybe certain specific cards but it was the conversation we had it was the characters that they were and I hope that with EPAC Upper Deck is able to you know kind of involve the hobby shop more or or somehow get them more involved um with people who are getting exposed to hockey cards through epac i think there are ways to do it um whether whether it be i'd love to see upper deck you know you had to go to a bank to take out a line of credit 
to purchase some of these products. I don't know why e uh, Upper Deck and these distributors can't get more involved with financing uh, some of these business operations. For people who have, you, you've been involved in the hobby and had a store for over seven years now and certainly you know, can prove that you run a trustworthy business. So I'd love to see Upper Deck take maybe some of their profits or take some of their success from EPAC and filter that down onto the store. And, uh, you know, I proposed a tax. The president yeah. of Upper Deck, he, he said, you know, the model isn't made for cutting anybody in. I really should have interrupted and said, nobody's getting cut in. We're charging the EPAC customer a tax above and beyond after everybody's yeah. already got cut in. Let's, if, if they're within... 10 miles of lower level sports cards and collectibles and they're buying compendium packs in Winnipeg, yeah. Canada, you should get a percentage of that sale being that yeah. you fostered the community, the collecting community down there. You have a, and you and the other 10 shops in Winnipeg have a huge impact on the growth and the sustainability of the hobby there in Winnipeg. Again, I'm, I, I mean, I could, I could tee off all day on this and yet you have to go to a bank to get a line of credit to sell these tins that that you're going to be able to sell i mean they're in a hawk rookie year you're going to be able to sell ud1 yeah. uh series one series two uh products so mike before i blow my lid here how can be how can people you know it sounds like you know, we, I, I, I had a hobby shop. I worked in a hobby shop. It, it becomes quite a, a family, the people that come in there. How can people kind of become a part of your family up in Winnipeg? Where, where can they find you? Um, give me a shout, your social media shout to. And if they're in Winnipeg, where, give me your address. Where exactly can people find you? Uh, well, I'll give my, my physical address first. It's 189 Henderson Highway in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. So if you ever come to Winnipeg, I invite you to come to my store. And it's called Lower Level for two reasons. One, first reason is you always want to be in the lower level uh, to get all the action at a game. And the second reason is I'm actually in the lower level of a building. So Lower Level Sports Cards. On Facebook, just look up Lower Level Sports Cards and Collectibles. Uh, Twitter, my handle is uh, Lower Level. Instagram, uh, it's a bit more confusing. Uh, Winnipeg underscore sports underscore cards or yeah cards underscore store. Uh, there there comes my not being computer savvy. Um, and uh, yeah and and there too if you're not in Winnipeg uh, I post as much as I can but basically at 12 I post and if it's a busy day I'm not going to post till the evening or the next day. But uh, if you ever have any questions or whatever you can also call me at 204 421 um, I love the hobby. Uh, I love talking the hobby. Uh, but if you do call and it's during store hours, uh, my my customers that are in the store, I, I need to to work with them and uh, and and help them. Um, and and just one, and, and I, I should just say too. Um, so when it comes to upper deck, uh, they do have a program where they help the stores. I think it's up to a certain amount with with the the, okay. the distributor. Uh, but. The one thing that I don't like about it is that um, it, it's the if if you get that, then you have to show the name Upper Deck more. Uh, their 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 uh, whatever their their picture of their uh, their uh, uh, their their logo, and okay. which is fine. But if I want, I want people to come to my store for my store, and there's more than just Upper Deck in the hobby. There's there's Tops, there's Panini. It's We'll, we'll, we'll help them make more money uh, if we sell more of them, but I want, I want to promote my store and what the store is about rather than just one company. So they do have a program. It's just some things about the program uh, that I would not go into because of, uh, uh, of, their, uh, of their approach. It's about upper deck. I, I want it to be about the hobby first. Let's help each other uh, network and, and work together to make this hobby uh, as good as it can be. 
Yeah, you're a tremendous uh, ambassador for for the hobby. That's why I had you on the show. You also helped me with the interview that I did with uh, Jason and Chris uh, last week with Everdeck. So I, I want to just thank you for that. Um, you know, we'll have to do this again sometime, and we'll have to dive deeper into some of these topics. You know, I, I wanted to kind of cover a lot of things, but uh, wh why don't we uh, maybe when it's not 50 below zero in Winnipeg, maybe uh, it warms up a little bit. We'll have to talk again sometime. Sure, sure, that sounds fantastic. And uh, I just want to say too, I, I love what you do for the hobby and uh, the questions that you bring up. Uh, I think it's important that we question stuff, whether it be the right, if it's uh, questioning the right things or the wrong things. If we don't question things in the hobby or anything, uh, we don't get anywhere. So I really appreciate what you do and thank you for doing what you do um, for the hobby. Uh, it, I, I love it. Um, Thank you. Thank you. The check's in the mail. I, that, why, why I had you read your address so that I can fill out the check that I, that I just uh, <laughs> mailed to you. So look for that in a few. Uh, well, it takes a little while from Arizona to Canada. It might take a couple weeks. For, yeah. look, so look for that in a couple weeks. Thank you. I appreciate it, Mike. We'll talk, we'll talk soon, buddy. All right. Thanks.